myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It's Thursday night and you're joining myself, Steve Wraith, uh, Malcolm MacDonald and John Gibson for an hour of NUFC chat and uh, plenty to talk about as always. First and foremost, lads, I've uh, got a message from Martin Bailey today um, and uh, he says, I keep meaning to ask you this. Can you give my dad a mention on your show tonight, please? He said, uh, Richard Bailey is his name. He's a massive fan of Malcolm's. And could you ask Malcolm if he remembers back in 1988, he used to own a pub in Worthing on the south coast in a little village called Broadwater. The pub was called the Far Post and the pub garden backed onto our back garden. My dad used to go in there for the odd pint and chat to Malcolm. Can you ask if he would give a shout out and say hello to my dad on the show tonight? Oh, well, he's frozen. He's well, frozen. I've read, well, I've read all of that out as well. Oh, yeah, God's sake. What funny a start enough, of this. Funny enough, Steve, the, the pub you're mentioning is the pub Malcolm took over and was manager of when um, when he did the deal. Remember and act as the agent for Mirandina and did the uh, the deal with Willie McFall for ah, yes. the sign Mirandina. He was in the far post at Worthing at that time. But uh, no doubt, after he's let the dog out and he comes back in 25 minutes, he'll tell us all about it. Well, all the, all the mayhem was slightly late starting the show because your phone was ringing and it wouldn't stop. And then uh, the dog started barking and then, uh, then Malcolm's frozen. But he's beaten all records tonight. He's actually gone in the first minute. <laughs> Unbelievable, <laughs> Jeff. Classic. Lee Taylor, anyway, he says, Evening, guys. Steve Bruce's odds-on favourite to be the next Premier League manager to be sacked. Why do you think, John, that Ashley and co. haven't pulled the trigger on him yet? Well, well, it's absolutely baffling, isn't it? I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. There's, there's no way he's going to pull the trigger on him this season now because by the time the international break is over, we're in the game thick and fast and they're running down far too much unless he suddenly put Jones in charge uh, in a blind panic two or three games from the end, which is too late. But, you know, when you, when you think about the situation, um, Frank Lampard is a club legend at Chelsea and he got peddled for an awful lot less than has happened at Newcastle. Chris Wilder is a club legend at Sheffield United, and they peddled him. Slavin Bilic won promotion for West Brom, and almost immediately at the start of the season, he got the pedal. But we've got a bloke here that in the last 20 games has managed to win two, has, in the last game, produced the most pathetic, timid, and unimaginative defeat, uh, unimaginative from the point of view of what was being done about it from the sidelines, that was possible, yet still survives. Um, now, if anybody can tell me the reason why that's happened, I mean, to be perfectly truthful, and all three of you have been banging on about it for a while, Steve, this shouldn't have happened after the Brighton game this should have happened long ago so that any new guy had a chance of getting things organised and keeping us up. This should have happened not because of Brighton. 
it should have happened long before it. And the fact that it hasn't happened at all shows both his indifference, what he calls loyalty. I mean, he wants to evidently reward Steve Bruce for loyalty. Well, what does that mean? Um, the only thing Jodis think it means is that being loyal is you don't give Ashley a lot of aggro um, about wanting to improve the situation because that's what Rafa Benitez did. He would not accept the situation and he riled against hit the restrictions repeatedly, which didn't go down well with Ashley. Steve Bruce isn't doing that. That does go down well with Ashley. Um, and the other excuse, well, he's a Geordie that loves the club. I mean, really, he hasn't been listening to the fans at all because that is one of the things that riles the fans, that, that they believe that, that Steve Bruce hides behind the Geordie tag. It is quite, quite incredible. And it's left me baffled. And quite frankly, Steve, has left me depressed because if things aren't going to change, how the heck are we going to turn around the mess we're in in time to save ourselves? The only way we're going to be saved is Fulham saving us by falling flat on their face. That's the best chance we've got, Steve. Almost gives me the impression as well that Steve Bruce is banking on that. He just seems to be banking on the fact that Fulham aren't going to get yeah. the points. And it's a gamble. It's a huge gamble, especially considering that our last game is away to Fulham. If, if they are still... Supposing by some miracle the situation remains the, as good as it is now, we will go into the last game two points ahead of Fulham, which means if they win at their place on the last day, we go down. It's a heck of a gamble, both by Bruce and by Ashley, that we're going to get away with that, isn't it? And I think it's depressed everybody, fans, hacks, everybody um, that is still here and perhaps the biggest condemnation and the biggest worry of the lot is it's depressed an awful lot of players as well so what the morale is going to be like I mean we desperately need the the 15 players 16 players that go out for Newcastle United against Spurs to run the blood to water to give us any chance whatsoever. And it's no good eight of them doing that, Steve, as you know, and the other three don't. Because in a team game, you'll get beat. You're only as good as your weakest link, any team. And we need to, more than we need ability now, we need attitude. Because without the right attitude, we have got no chance. And we're not showing the right attitude enough. Two wins out of the last 20, tell us that. Yeah, exactly. Question there from James Brown. Those of you who are waiting for Malcolm, he was here right at the start. Internet issues, unfortunately, have uh, taken him away. I'm sure he'll be back at some point. Chris Wilder and Graham Jones are the two favourites to replace Bruce. Should he be sacked from those two names? And, and from those two names, who would you pick, John? Uh, he's, uh, James would like to see Wilder. Yes, I, I think I would have to go along with that as well because I've found that the, the best chance you've ever got once you go past no return and I believe that Newcastle United have now gone past no return the point of no return I cannot say Steve Bruce long term being able to reverse the trend that is now going on either with the fans with the players or whatever um, 
I don't think necessarily pushing in a caretaker who's already been in the club, uh, like Graham Jones, and asking him, when we bear in mind, without trying to tarm with the bush, while he's been successful with Belgium as number two to Martinez, and it would be very difficult not to be successful with them without having a go at Graham whatsoever, because they're the got so many world-class players that are the number one international team in the world. But when he was manager at Luton, he had a disastrous time. And you've only got to ask Rob Lee about that because Rob Lee's son was in the Luton squad at that time and Rob is not a fan. Um, so you would have to go with Wilder. Uh, even though we would be talking about, would it set a record that Chris Wilder, you could then say, took two teams down in the one season? Sheffield United and Newcastle United. Yeah, very true. Very very true, John. Uh, David Reid says, my question is, is it too late to change manager now? Do we let things be? Uh, and things could change in the summer. Better the devil you know and all that. Uh, good question, David. I mean, John, is it too late to change the manager now? It's a, it's a cracking question because... 99 times out of 100, you would say, yes, it is, because you've left it far too late. A new manager is not from day one going to get the side up and running and all for one and one for all. Uh, there's, he's running out of time to do that. There, and for a start, that ain't going to happen at Newcastle. If there's any change at all, it's, it will only be Bruce out with Agnew and Clements going with him and Jones going in as caretaker to the end of the season. That's the only possible change that I could see Ashley agreeing to at this late stage of the season. Um, because you're not going to get people like Rafa Benitez coming back who knows so many of the players that he might well have had a chance if he come back to, to hit the ground running, but he wouldn't come back under Ashley. So... The only change you're going to get, if any at all, is Jones into the job and the other three guys out of the job. Um, it is too late. That's why I said right at the beginning, this shouldn't have happened after Brighton. This should have happened weeks ago. Uh, Bede says, if a manager upsets the goalkeeper by dropping him, then falls out with the long staffs, and then has a bust up with Richie, how can this manager be classed as a good man manager? What are your thoughts on that, John? Well, that is... Spot on again, you don't fool the Geordie public. Spot on again. I mean, Steve Bruce has had a reputation as a great man-manager all of his managerial career. The fact that results haven't necessarily come along to substantiate uh, that part of his makeup is totally different. But that is one of the worrying things now, that this man-management thing has now become a myth. He's fallen out with Carl Darlow because you've got to read in the paper that, uh, that now Steve Bruce has denied he planted the story, and of course he would, but nonetheless, the story was correct. So you, you've got that situation. The Richie situation is huge, and there's been so many others. There's obviously been something off with the, the, the Longstaffs, there's been something off specifically with Matty Longstaff. How can you go? from Matty Longstaff 
being the guy that must date this club and they got him a new contract, etc., etc., to now he can't get in the 19 that's travel on, on match day. And he's done nothing wrong on the pitch. In fact, I would suggest that his few performances on the pitch this season have been very good. But there's things wrong there. We Richie can't get a look in because it's personal. The long staffs can't get a look in. Carol can't get a look in because they won't change the style to allow a centre forward to go. Yet, do we not think that Matt Ritchie, uh, uh, Matty Longstaff and Carol have a terrific attitude and terrific fight in open atom attitude that Newcastle United desperately need in all 11 players now to have any chance of surviving yet mm. on for personal reasons they aren't getting a chance on the side will will this weekend will Bruce forgive Matt Ritchie in his heart and pick him for what went before Will he suddenly find where Matty Longstaff's lying, self-isolating and bring him back? Will he suddenly change the tactics and play an orthodox centre-forward so he can pick Carroll? Uh, he needs people with that sort of attitude. Yeah. And by the way, the man's back. He's put the dog out. That's done. Well, he, you wouldn't believe it, Malcolm, but I had to read you this long message and I didn't realise you'd gone because I wasn't watching the screen. I was reading the message. So I'll read it okay. again so you yeah. can respond to it. It was a, a message that we got from Martin Bailey, who uh, does our match day lives. And he said, uh, I keep meaning to ask you to give my dad a mention on your Malcolm and Gibbo shows. His name is Richard Bailey and is a massive fan of Malcolm's. Could you ask Malcolm if he remembers back in 1988 he used to own a pub in Worthing on the south coast in a little village called Broadwater. The pub was called the Far Post and the pub garden backed onto our back garden. My dad used to go in there for the odd pint and chat to Malcolm. Can you yeah, also yeah, ask yeah. him, he says, can you ask Malcolm to give him a shout out and say hello to my dad, Richard Bailey? Yes, indeed. Hello, Richard. Well, well, um, yeah, we used to, we used to have um, two miniature goats. And, uh, and and the pen that, that I built for them was in the corner. And what what I didn't quite realise when we got the goats and it was it, it, and, and they were to sort of keep kids in the in the pub garden entertained. Um, uh, and um, uh, and the goats from a standing uh, doing a standing jump, and 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 they were only sort of like. 15, 18 inches high, but they could spring over a seven foot fence. <laughs> <laughs> this goat would just suddenly go whoop and, and into uh, and into Richard's garden. And then when he wanted to come back, it just spring back over. Um, they were amazing, but it, uh, uh, um, yeah, it's lovely to hear from them. Uh, we were, we were there for three years and I, I then left the, the pub um i and sold the business um because i was i became the huddersfield manager uh that certainly didn't work out should have kept the pub uh, <laughs> but ah <laughs> uh, yeah but i i certainly remember having a pint with uh with richard that absolutely lovely yeah uh, good Good stuff. Good to hear from. Uh, good to hear from you, Martin. Thanks for that. Uh, really, really nice uh, message. Lots of questions coming in, and uh, lots of people. Uh, lots of people not just putting the blame at uh, Steve Bruce's door. Some of them putting it at the players' door. I mean, Malcolm, give us your take on that shambles that we saw at the weekend. Well, 
What your responsibility as a manager is, is to organise the players and pick the team in such a way where everybody can feel that they are being given the best possible opportunity in the best organised and created side. And that's not happening. Newcastle are going out with defenders who can't defend, um, midfielders who, in all honesty, aren't are one thing nor another, and a forward line, which is all higgledy-piggledy, that have scored five goals this season between them. So, wherever you're playing, it, it, it just doesn't put any confidence within you. And there was um, the, the, the first Brighton goal. I think it was the first. Um, I saw centre-halves just backing off not doing, not, not getting involved at all. Um, Kieran Clark, who is just about one of the best pros in the club, one of the best, and and I saw him standing off and letting the player have space, and in the end, he shot and it went in. And I thought that just isn't Kieran Clark. It isn't what he does it isn't how he plays so something was going on in that game that even the best pro on the pitch just had his head down and, and, and wasn't doing what was absolutely necessary of him and i and, and i thought well there's there is a rabbit off here for sure now i don't know whether it's the back four because one of the most important things that I always felt the responsibility as a forward was get the side one nil up. It takes the pressure off the back four. What we've got at the moment is a back four that is never given a bit of time off. It's always under pressure. One mistake from them and the game's lost. That's the pressure that they're under. And they must have looked at the team sheet. Joe Linton. And you say, well, he's out in the right wing. He's not going to do very much, is he? Um, and, and, the, and the others that, that were selected... The back four had no belief in what was in what was up front. The midfield played as if they were not one thing or another. They didn't they didn't support the, the, the guys who were at the front, and they didn't really get in front and uh, and put a barrier in front of the back four. Um, so I I thought the whole the whole. 11 players looked to me as if they were completely, utterly demoralised. And it was Kieran Clark 
he he for me was the key because he's such a damn good pro. Uh, um, he and Richie, two best pros in the club for me. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, and 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 when Kieran Clark doesn't do what he always does as a defender, and he does defend well, and he he wasn't doing it, and I thought there really is a rabbit off tonight, and. And I think that the back four have got to a point where what he's choosing up front is as suicidal as I've ever seen in football. Um, that they are not going to score. They're not going to make goals. They, 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 do, they do well just to get into the opposing penalty area. Um, uh, and and so I just saw a completely demoralised outfit down at Brighton, and I and I just I really had the impression that 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 they were demoralised just simply because of the team selection. You look over at the at the dugout. And sitting there in the seats behind, you've got two guys who will make and score you goals in Andy Carroll. Um, Andy Carroll, he'll cause problems in, in, in a back four. Whether it'll be physical, he's got a prowess in the air, um, and, um, and having the right... Uh, um, the right bit of support, uh, um, but it, but they're sitting on the bench, and and the back four must be looking across, going, well, the goals are sitting there, sitting behind the dugout. What's going on? Why aren't we being given that chance? Mm -hmm. And and so demoralisation sets in, and and this has been going on now for game after game after game. Yeah, and, and it's got to the stage. I was watching the Brighton game, uh, and as soon as I taught, saw what team it was, I just lost interest in the game because I knew that it was going to be a no show. Um, that that the one thing that was guaranteed was Newcastle nil come the end of the game. Um, and and so I thought, why is this happening? Is Steve Bruce so utterly useless that he cannot pick a better side than this? Or is he picking it purposely? Sabotage is a lot. It's, it's a word that a lot of people are using. Yeah. Mal, do you think that's yeah. possible? Do you think that's something that he would? It's do? one or the other. Is either completely and utterly lost the plot, or yes, he's going about sabotage, um, and and it's for his own ends because of the clause in the contract to get the payout. But I understand he's got for a massive payoff. Um, should he be sacked? Um, and I, 
And I think that the players realise that. That was in the performance on Saturday night. That the, that the players were utterly demoralised before the, before the kickoff. And once they did kick off, oh my word, I thought it was absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. I've never seen anything quite like it. I really haven't. Um, and Brighton couldn't believe their luck. Uh, and when you think, Brighton, for heaven's sake. So the, the aggregate score this season is Brighton 6, Newcastle 0. Brighton, six points, Newcastle nil. Newcastle haven't even scored against them. Haven't in 120 minutes, uh, um, uh, sorry, in, in 180 minutes, haven't been able to stick the ball in the net against Brighton. Um, so, I, and I think that there is a game going on between the owner and the manager. The manager's trying to get get sacked and, and get paid up. I think the owner's sussed him out and isn't wanting to pay it pay it out. And so you've got this standoff um, it, up in the office. And the lads in the, in the dressing room, they have just got to suffer. They've got to suffer it because, because they're looking at the team sheet and just go, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, and if you if if you don't give players a feeling of them being valued, of, of, uh, it's a manager's duty to give every player in the side and the side in general the very best chance. And Steve Bruce isn't doing that. He okay. isn't doing it, and that um... and and to, and to be doing it in the club that he purports to have supported as a lad i think it's absolutely diabolical i really do let's give a big shout out to spider vpn who've uh, sponsored us in february march and now we're going to continue in april they're sponsoring the Streamyard application big thanks to the lads down there geordie riffs as well another main sponsor this month premium guitar lessons for beginners and children guitar repairs and service and recording studio uh, you can find them at geordieriffs.co.uk at the website Geordie Riffs official Facebook but please give them a follow on Instagram at Geordie Riffs they're trying to build up their Instagram account and uh, also a big shout out to qtechshop.co.uk the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End uh, and Jab Signature uh, who are launching their new brand very very soon uh, who do all of our flyers and posters new time visitor to the channel please subscribe hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right hand corner hit the thumb up to give it a like and click share as well which shares it to your social media if you miss us on screen you can catch up on your podcast provider such as itunes and spotify john how much responsibility should jamal lascelles be taking here says ross cumming uh, a lot of people saying that he should really be the one who you know is knocking on the manager's door and uh telling them that the players aren't happy and i mean you know the rumor had gone round after the game against Brighton that Bruce had been sacked and, and it, you know, the, the stories coming out of the dressing room are that some of the players thought he'd already gone. Uh, that's absolutely correct. They did. And they were surprised when they were walking onto the team coach to see that Steve Bruce was actually doing some live interviews 
with the television people, which told them, of course, that he hadn't gone because he was there uh, fronting it with the press. Um, there's several things to be said. Uh, unquestionably, you've got to look at the manager, and he carries the major, major blame. And he, he said so himself, and I bet he wishes he hadn't, before the Brighton game when he said, to, I haven't been good enough and the buck stops with me. You've got to believe it. That's correct, and that's the way it is. But what does irritate me is some players, not all players, will hide behind the fact that there is a big scapegoat up there and correctly up there and they will stack their hand and not perform because they can hide behind well it's a guy's fault over there and it's been significant this week that certain players have been called out by other pros by top ex players a couple of England internationals have come out publicly and said that Ryan Fraser and Joe Linton aren't putting in a shift and they have let Newcastle United down. Now, that is happening. There's absolutely no question about that. Lascelles on the pitch is the manager. Not off the pitch, on the pitch. For an hour and a half, he's the manager. And um, Malcolm played with, with Bob Moncur. Um, we had... Alan Shearer is a skipper. Do you think those guys would be more volatile, would be more putting people up against the wall, would be more <laughs> on the pitch, balling people out and making things happen than Jamal Lascelles has been doing? There's too many people hiding behind the current situation mm. and it's yeah. not good enough. We all know whose fault it really is. There's no question about that. But may I also bring up, guys, that what is adding to absolute total and utter confusion at Newcastle United is what's become plainly obvious over the last few games and that is you've got two people standing on the touchline telling the players what to do and they've got totally different tactical philosophies. You've got Steve Bruce who has always built his side on try not to get beat rather than try to win. And then you've got Graham Jones, who was brought up by Martinez uh, and has been everywhere with him, who's a front foot coach who wants to play like Leeds United play, on the front foot, pressing from the front, uh, closing <laughs> down people, etc. And as good as that is, as admirable as that is, you've got to be super fit to be able to do that. Leeds don't do it by accident. Leeds do it because they've worked with the manager for two or three seasons. They do phen phenomenal pre-season work on fitness and they're all fit as a lop and closed down brilliantly. We are being asked mid-season when... We give a lot of time off to a lot of players and don't do a lot of physical work. We have been asked mid-season to close down as if you're Usain Bolt um, to, to fit the style of play Newcastle's got. And I think there's players looking over the bench now saying, are we supposed to stick or twist? Are we playing the diamond? Am I playing on the left side or the right side? What am I supposed to do? Oh, as I remember, I'm supposed to close down. So one goes to close down when everybody's got to go to close down. The, the tactical situation 
is more and more confusing than, than it has ever been. And I think that is confusing the players into understanding and looking over at the bench and saying, well, what exactly are we going to do? And I think that showed in the second half at Brighton. Each individual didn't know what he in particular should do. And because Steve Bruce is bought into Jones' system, which is the split strikers, which initially worked because it was a new idea when they got the two results, if you remember, Everton in particular and then Southampton at home. It worked initially because it was this lovely, good idea, etc., etc. But significantly because they had the right front three to make it work, which was Wilson, San Maximum and Almiron, who's great at closing people down because he can run all day long. He's got natural fitness. They had those three guys... And the system suited those three guys. Take those three guys out the equation and we're not left with the players that suits that system. Yes, because Gail can't play that system. Gail can't play that system. Carroll can't play that system. And Fraser, for me, has been a massive disappointment. When he first came to this club, he wasn't fit enough. To, to be able to start, not because he had an injury, but because he hadn't played at the end of last season when he opted out. He refused. Uh, he was, yes, and he wasn't, he wasn't fit enough. Now he's playing and he, he's, he, his body language tells me that, you know, it's all wrong. Um, and I think he should be pulled out and Murphy should be given a start because Murphy has got that extra about him. But because we're all, because Bruce has built, bought into this Jones system for all the confusion it's, it's causing, he won't change the system. And if you look at what happened to us at Brighton, how is it, and I know the game was already lost, but when Newcastle come to make the third change as a sub and they took Almirin off, they put Sean Longstaff on. They put mm. Sean Longstaff on when sitting yeah. on the subs bench was Gail and Carroll, who didn't go on mm. at all. And who, by the way, at the final whistle, stormed down the, the, the tunnel into the dressing room and refused to come out to do the, the warm down on the pitch. Because they were absolutely fed up. Now, if we've got two out-and-out -out strikers who are supposed to be goal searchers and they can't get on the pitch when we are losing 3-0, what is the point of having them at all? What is the point in giving Carroll a contract for this season? And you may as well tell Gail and Carroll, whose contracts are now up at the end of the season, that they're leaving now. Because I tell you what, they'll want to leave. So, Mal, to the, leave. Uh, the, so Malcolm, the reward for such a, a sterling performance at the weekend was uh, six days off out of nine. What did you make of that? Cluffy used to get away with it, but then he was winning titles and all sorts, <laughs> uh, both domestically and, uh, and, uh, and internationally. Um, <sighs> But it, players, when, when they're having a problem, when things aren't going right for them, they want to get on the training field. They want to work at things. <clears throat> they want to work together, put things right, strengthen whatever it is they're doing. 
Um, but but get organized, get an understanding going. They can't do that sat at home. And it must have been not just frustrating for the players, but seriously annoying. And and again, I question sincerely question Steve Bruce why what good was it going to do the the team is playing rubbish and you give them six days off if they've been if they're playing brilliantly maybe you can do that like Cluffy did but when they are totally disorganized you need them on the training field and again that's why I have this serious question mark over Bruce's tactics as to how he's going about doing his job. And, and I don't like it. I, I, in fact, I absolutely hate it and abhor it. I really do. Uh, uh, and I've got deep, deep suspicions as to, as, as to what is actually going on. Um, and it's not doing this club any good at all. It's not doing the players any good. Um, and it's going to take a very long time after Bruce has left for a really good manager to get it all put right and to get back into good playing mode. It will take a while. It really will. And so I think all supporters, you're going to have to be pretty patient in this. Uh, it, it, it will help if we don't get relegated. Is, but, I mean, uh, Malcolm, hand on heart now, looking at this squad, looking at Steve Bruce, and looking at the situation the club finds itself in, we've been, we've been relegated twice before under Ashley. Do you think Newcastle United... Or staying up, or do you think Newcastle United are going down? Newcastle will go down if Fulham can start to score the odd goal or two. Um, if Fulham don't improve on their goal scoring, Newcastle have a chance of staying up. Um, but I'm looking at the Newcastle fixture list, and I can see a possible three points against Sheffield United. I can't see points anywhere else, anywhere else in any other fixture, um, whether or not they can, the players can suddenly get themselves organised and start turning it on a bit. But I doubt it. I doubt it very much. I think there is demoralisation um, there within the club now in the, in the players' dressing room. So I don't think that that will happen um, and I, I, I really am not looking any further than a possible three points from now until the end of the season. Wow. Same question to you, John. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got to say that if we were for standing start where everybody was now equal and there was a nine-game uh, charge to the end of the season, Newcastle wouldn't stay up. And if it's up to their own efforts... We will not stay up. I agree totally with what Malcolm said. The only way we will stay up is that 
Fulham cannot put together enough points to overhaul us, having got so close to it from a 10-point gap to a one-point gap at one stage. Um, that, like Malcolm said, the only match I can see us winning between now and the end of the season is Sheffield United. And then I remind it at home. And then I remind myself that we went to Sheffield United, who hadn't won a solitary single game all season, and they beat us. So um, you, you've yeah. got to remember that. The, the two things that I would say, which supports what Malcolm was saying, is that if if they suddenly, if Fulham suddenly start to discover that they can score the odd goal to win games between now and the end of the season, then we are in massive trouble. And unfortunately, we watched Mitrovic last night score two against the Republic of Ireland. And our our two players who were involved in the game, Clark and Hendrick, and the, the trip goal was sublime. If he starts doing, he's forgotten how to score in for Fulham, and it isn't even a starter for Fulham, but he wasn't a starter last night. If he starts doing what he did last night, then Newcastle United, his old club's in big trouble. And I tell you what, on the last day of the season, when we go to Fulham, I want to be four points ahead of Fulham. Because mm. if the yeah. if where future depends on that game, I don't miss at all. I want to go to Fulham having got three points against Sheffield United that puts us four ahead and they can't do something about it. Otherwise, it's doomsday. How big a miss is Hayden going to be, Malcolm? Obviously, he's out now for the rest of the season. Um, I'm not a Hayden lover, I have to admit. I know you're not, but he's certainly no. played better than some uh, in the yes, last he few has. weeks. I'll give him that. Um, and... Um, and he's, he seems to have um, uh, 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 sort of um, got Shelby off his back and is just ignoring him and getting on with what he's, what he's good at. Um, Shelby doesn't do anybody wearing black and white stripes any favours out there. Um, he wants to play the way he wants to play. He wants to be knocking glory balls 40, 50, 60 yards. Um, and... Uh, um, he doesn't take part at all with other midfield players. He doesn't look to to knock forwards in and and get in there and support them. Um, and and so yes, I suppose Hayden will be a miss because uh, um, he 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 started to to just organise himself nicely in front of the centre-halves um, and act as a shield for them. Um, who's going to come in in, that, in in place of him? I'm really not too sure. Because the problem always is, how do they deal with Shelby? And it seems to me that Steve Bruce's favourite is Shelby in the side. Um, and that... Uh, and he seems to to want Shelby in there all the time. Shelby does nothing for other players. He wants to go on and put us put a, a singular show on of him for himself. Um, and 
and is not prepared to offer the players around him any real support, encouragement, go and, and, and go and play with them. When was the, when was the last time you saw Shelby pass with the, with, with the lad on loan from Arsenal? Yeah, I know. I mean, Willock had that great do it. Willock had that great debut, and then he's just disappeared into yeah. the ethos. Yeah, yeah, because Shelby saw what's going on, and went, "Whoa, I, I'm not going to support you, him in, in, in getting." You've talked the about this. You've talked about this when we've done talkings pre-match, Malcolm, many, many times now, and and only a professional footballer or former professional footballer really can say that that goes on. But you've said this to me that some players. Um, mm. If they have their nose pushed out to join, deliberately make other players look bad. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I had one when I was a manager, um, uh, and 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 you you're best to move them on. I don't think that Steve Bruce is recognising what Shelby actually does out in the field, um, and and is is relying on him as a. a um, because Shelby can make himself look good. He doesn't make anybody else look good, though. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And as a midfield player, what you want is, is a midfield player grafting away, making stuff for forwards, making the forwards look good. And how do forwards look good? Sticking it in the net. Yeah. But he's not playing any of those kind of balls. He wants to sit in front of the centre halves and go bing sixty yards away. And World, he, he's then World to, Cup balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and and he's he, he has nothing to do with Willock. Um, Hayden's had a had a hell of a battle. Um, uh, uh, Sean Longstaff. <coughs> His nightmare is being sent on the pitch to go and play in the middle of the park with Shelby there. That is his all-time nightmare. Uh, his younger brother, he does it. He, he sort of gets away from it a little bit um, and sort of shrugs it off and says, right, I'll go and play with other players. But Sean Longstaff, he, he, finds, he finds when he's on the ball, Shelby, a, a, a real problem, a real problem, um, and and I've and I've watched poor old Sean's uh, um, levels just dropping and dropping and dropping, and and I don't know whether you you noticed his face when he was being brought on as a substitute, he looked pained. Yeah, he did. Really pained, and I thought, oh bless you, you're you're you, you're just not looking forward to this at all you know usually subs come on i can't get on quick enough sean wasn't like that uh, and i think that that's all down to to shelby paul oxley says you're right he's, he's obviously making joe linton look bad he wants to know why <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting to see you make him look good steve <laughs> if, if i may if, I'm, if yeah. I may, just a little bit, very quickly on the Hayden situation, I'll tell you one of the reasons why we'll miss Hayden is because his attitude's right. I was talking yeah. very early on about people like uh, like Joe Linton and Fraser and, and how we were going to have to rely on the Richies and Matty Longstaffs, etc., etc. 
Hayden, his attitude is right. And Malcolm was saying, we've got to wait and see who comes in for him as well. Well, for me, the person that ought to come in is Matty Longstaff, and the person that will come in is Jeff Hendrick. And that's a double reason why oh. we'll miss Hayden, not just because of his attitude, but because of who will replace him. Do you, do you know, I, I, um, I saw a stat. Um, uh, uh, it was the last time uh, um, that uh, uh, um, Hendrick uh, played. And the, and the stat had him, he, he ran the fifth greatest distance of anybody on the pitch. Yeah, there were, there were just four in front of him. His running was phenomenal. The problem was he kept running away. He mm. goes away from the play. He gets he, he he doesn't look to get in and take part. And for all this running, he had so few touches it was ridiculous. And 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 I and all I can conclude from that is that. He, he runs away from stuff and he, he isn't looking to get into the game at all. And so, and, and I don't think that Steve Bruce, I don't think he sees any of this or, or is, is he putting players into situations knowing that uh, it'll all go wrong? Blue Moon Boy says, Malcolm, do you see Jones as part of the problem? Is Jones well, part I'm, of the problem? I'm, I'm, we had that little bounce two games. A lot of people, including me, you know, you, you do get carried away saying, you know, it's Indiana Jones come to save the day. But in reality, um, what I saw at the weekend was too many cooks spoiling the broth. I saw Steve Bruce trying to give substitutes instructions and Graham Jones talking over the top of them. It looked like an absolute car crash on the sideline. Yeah, but... I think that, that Jones has, has probably got the ability to do it, but I'm not so sure that it that it's suiting um, Steve Bruce at all. I'm, I, I really don't. The, the body language between those two guys is absolutely frozen. It, it is seriously cold between them. There's no real communication at all. Um, Jones is tr he, he's looking to to, to get there and and, uh, and talk with players, instruct them, whatever. If you notice that Steve Bruce's two coaches say nothing. They now and again maybe have a little word with Steve Bruce, but it's but it's not very much through a 90-minute match. Not very much at all. They certainly don't get, uh, um, don't get involved with the players on the field. They just stay back. And I think that's how Steve Bruce likes it. And what Jones is doing doesn't suit Steve Bruce at all. Um, and there are just times when I've seen... I've seen glances from Bruce towards Jones that I don't like at all. Don't like. So who knows? I don't know. Is, is it because 
Jones is saying the wrong thing as far as Bruce is concerned? Or is it that he's actually talking to players on the pitch and Bruce doesn't like that? And Bruce doesn't talk very much to players on the pitch. Not very much at all. And uh, and it's it's one of the quietest benches that I've ever known. Coaches, the, the coach part of it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and in a... In the situation that Newcastle find themselves, you would think that they'd all be wanting to get out there and put things right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would do. Uh, this is a great. This is a great. This is a great question, John. Billy Gaddis says one serious question, gentlemen. How do you motivate millionaire footballers who can leave the club for greener pastures at the end of the season? Great question. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. That is one of the problems. And that, you really then, Steve, come down and drag it all the way back to recruitment. And if you listen to Brendan Rodgers when he was talking about the Leicester recruitment, which has been top of the, the range, by the way, um, of recent times, the buy-in brilliantly, etc., etc., one of the first things you look at, it's obvious you look at ability, that is obvious, but you look at character. You look at people that have, have got the right attitude, that have pride in themselves and in the club, and you buy people who are right. It doesn't matter if you have the best ability in the world if you've got the worst attitude and you're ready to stack your hand because the wind's blown in the wrong direction or you don't you got out the wrong side of the bed this morning so it, the way to do it is you've got to look but we've got to look at recruitment to start with because regardless of whether we we look at whether people have got the right attitude are we looking at people that's got the right ability when you think of Joe Linton, when you think of, of Jeff Hendrick, when you think, bless him, he might have a chance with AJ, of Jamal Lewis. I mean, you've got Joe Linton, the record by, who was a disaster. You've got Lewis and Hendrick, who was bought in the summer to improve the side and can't even get a start in a shockingly bad side. And you've got Fraser, who now is in the side, Pros are openly saying his body language is ridiculous and he's down in tools. So mm. there never mind the mental thing you've got to look at to be able to get stuff out of them. We haven't even got the ability right uh, on, on a lot of them. Yes, you will have the exceptions like Callum Wilson, etc., etc. But really, we're getting it wrong right from source. And... The only chance you've got at this stage is somebody that can get the players on side. And the big thing about the Jones, which is going back to what we're talking about, the Jones and Bruce situation, is that they, whoever appointed him, and I'm, I'm certain the suggestion was not Bruce's to start with, did they appoint him because he has a guy that has done well with Belgium and with uh, Roberto on his it, um, Everton, etc., etc. Mm. Oh, and he's a Geordie, so he'll care. But you're putting together two 
totally different philosophies mm. and saying they've got to work together. The guy that wants to play on the front foot and press all the time high up the field and the guy that wants make certain we don't lose rather than we win, you put them together. Now, Steve Bruce has had to accept Jones coming into the system and to prove that he has accepted it, has accepted the tactical formation, the split strikers, etc., and the diamond, he's taken the formation, but it, it the confusing message on match day and presumably Monday to Friday between two totally different philosophies is not going to work. You've either got to have a, a defensive coach and that's the way a team's going to play mm. or an offensive coach. You can't have them both in the same camp because the message going out to the players, they don't know whether it's stick or twist. They don't know whether to do what the, the head coach is asking or what the assistant coach is asking. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to. Um, I've got to obviously start drawing the show to an end, lads. But uh, I did want to leave enough time at the end uh, for you to pay your respects and perhaps tell a story about uh, the late great Frank Worthington. Um, you know, football lost another star, and uh, I'm sure you probably both have a story to tell about Frank Worthington. You, John, from the press box, and Malcolm, perhaps you from uh, from the pitch. So. Malcolm, you're giggling. Uh, have you got any stories about Frank Worthington? Steve, I've roomed with him. For, <laughs> for a, now, I didn't about... know this. I didn't know this. So this is no. great. Go on. I've, I've Keep it clean. With him. <laughs> um, on, on about uh, three occasions, three England internationals. And I can honestly say I have never, ever seen a a bird puller to match Frank Worthington. He was quite unreal. Gibbo's shaking um, his head like he disagrees, I think. Oh, dear. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree <laughs> more. He, 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 um, but, but also, uh, um, when he wasn't talking about uh, his pulling exploits, um, It'd just be hum humming and and singing um, Elvis Presley all the time, all the time. He just he if he could choose to be anybody, he would be Elvis Presley. Um, he he was um, an absolute Presley nutcase, and um, and went over so many times. Um, and to, just to visit Elvis's house, which has now almost become a, a, an Elvis Presley museum. Um, and uh, uh, but in all of in, in, in all of that, as as a footballer, um, he was a complete one-off, total one-off. Um, he he had. Skills and abilities that could match the Rodney Marshes and the George Bests and what have you, but he it was a different build from from Bestie that he had, um, but he was prepared to do the outrageous on a football field, and it would come off. And for that, I just absolutely love the fella. I really did. Um, I have had some of the funniest days of my life just being in his company 
and and it's very sad to uh, to see him go. He was at St James Park um, just oh I suppose about five six years ago, um, and uh, uh, he'd, he'd he'd been speaking at a dinner there, and um, and I, I went over and, and we just had a lovely lovely time. I could tell then that his memory um, was starting to go, bless him. Um, and finally, it got the better of him. But he has left, I think, absolutely great moments to any youngsters or anybody who has never really watched Frank Worthington that much. Get on YouTube, watch everything, um, because he was... He was a footballer who had so much ability um, and incredible control of the ball. He could have been in a circus. He really could. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal guy. If you get on to ITV Hub, the big match live is often on there. And uh, Frank Worthington features on that quite a bit. Um, yes. Brilliant, brilliant, yeah. brilliant to watch. John, All outrageous goals. I, oh, he, 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 was, he, did. he was terrific. For a tall, lanky guy as well. You know what I mean? Scored some wonderful goals. Yeah, yeah. John, John yes. what, what, was your, uh, what was your memories of Frank Worthington? What, what will you remember him by? Yeah, twofold, really, player and as a person. Um, I worked a lot with him on the um, talking circuit uh, after he'd finished playing. And... Uh, he, he was fabulous entertainment. I mean, all all the girls loved him and all the guys wanted to be him. Uh, mm. So he had everybody eating, eating out of his hand. Um, and he's the only bloke I know that loved Elvis more than I loved Elvis. And he, and he really, really did. All he, all, he did, all he did was go around every... You know the Elvis... Um, look-alike shows, you know, where everybody turns up and they're dressed like Elvis and they act like Elvis. He used to go to all those dudes um, and take a load of old players with him. And he was better than the impersonators. He he would get up on stage and sing all the Elvis songs and he did them with so much panache uh, that he was a million times better than all the impersonators. And I think... If he could have been any anybody in life, as, as Malcolm said, it would have been Elvis Presley more than a footballer. But his ability as a footballer was quite phenomenal. Um, and, you know, he, he missed the greatest club stage in the world for himself because he was supposed to go and sign for Liverpool and the deal was done with Liverpool. Liverpool mm. when Bill Shankly was the manager and he went to Liverpool and he had his medical and it showed, surprise, surprise, that he had high blood pressure. So mm. Shanks mm. said, look, i tell you what to do because Shanks was so keen on signing him, he didn't want to give up on him. He said, go away for a fortnight and have a little, re go to Mallorca and lie in the sun and just relax and go out and come back here and you'll just dolly yeah, yeah, um, yeah, medical. Now, that is the most worst thing you could do <laughs> to Worthy is to send him to Mallorca because he set world record for girls out there. He didn't relax for one second. He went to bed to go to sleep twice and he come back and all his stats were worse than before he went away. 
and so the, the move was off and he never got there um but yet he entertained us all for the rest of his life yeah dementia yeah, he... come quite early and for a long time as, as malcolm was saying and that's a great tragedy because it's a wicked wicked awful illness but nothing you know what happens when you get superstars that pass away is that your heart sinks but your memories soar because you you get you've got terrible heartache and you've got great joy you're laughing and you're sad at exactly the same time through memories and that's what frank worthington did and uh, elvis better move sideways upstairs because there's somebody yeah. coming in that's good as he was mm. I, I missed this one as well, lads, and obviously people in the chat. But Peter Lorimer, I hadn't realised he'd passed away as well. Another, another player who, who uh, shared, you know, shared the pictures with you, Malcolm, back in the day. I mean, memories of Peter yeah. Lorimer. Oh yes, um, he had the most um, phenomenal shooting ability. Uh, he uh, he he had one of the um, uh, one of the most powerful shots. Of anybody in the game, and uh, uh, and he was he was a really lovely bloke, um, you know. And he'd he'd always come and have a beer after the game, and, and just come and, and mingle and have a little chat and um, find you know just see how you're going, and uh, and, and a lovely lovely guy he really was. Um, but hey, what a pl what a player! You know, and, and uh, when you think of uh, um, that, how powerful that lead side was, and Peter Lorimer was hugely responsible for that with it, with his the wing play, his crosses, and coming inside and shooting. Yeah, uh, John. I mean, you'll have seen Peter Lorimer play as well, I would imagine. Oh, very much so, and I did work with him on the talking circuit as well. A very, very different man uh, as a person to Worthy. Uh, he didn't live his life mm. like Worthy, but then again, not many people did. Um, but he, a phenomenal goal scorer. He was officially recorded as the, hard, the hardest shot in football over 90 miles an hour. Um, he is Leeds leading goal scorer of all time, like Shearer is at Newcastle, 80-odd more goals than John Charles, who's second. And as Malcolm knows, that is phenomenal because this guy wasn't a striker. He, he no. was a winger no, uh, who occasionally played midfield. He wasn't an out-and-out through-the-middle striker, and yet he was the leading goal scorer at Leeds and played in a phenomenal Leeds side that wasn't necessarily loved by the world, because it had a bit of steel in it that a lot of people disliked and a bit of a manager that people definitely didn't uh, like, which was Don Remy. But they were hugely, hugely successful. And Lorimer was the really good side of, uh, mm. of Leeds United. And the tragedy yes. is just to leave the thought that this season, Leeds United have come, who have got devoted fans as we have, has come back to the top table after donkey's years in exile. And the great tragedy is, in the first season back in the top division, they've lost four of the legends in Big Jack Charlton and 
Norman Hunter, who were both Geordies, Trevor Cherry, and now Peter Loma. And that is a massive hole in the whole history of Leeds for them all to go ironically in the season when Leeds mm. come back the big yeah. time. But wonderful memories of Loma and wonderful memories of Worthy, even though the memories are very, very different. Great stuff, lads, and uh, thanks to those in the chat who pointed out that Peter Lorimer had passed away. It's always good to hear Malcolm and John's memories on uh, players gone by. Even if they didn't pull on a black and white shirt, it's great to uh, be able to hear mm. some stories and uh, our thoughts, of course, at NUFC matters with uh, with their families in, in this sad time. Uh, Malcolm, John, uh, have a great weekend, and I'm sure you will because there's no Newcastle game to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. This this. <laughs> This will be the first weekend in an awful long time when Newcastle haven't lost. <laughs> Lads, have a good weekend. I look forward to catching up with you next Thursday when we start looking ahead to some more doom and gloom. But until then, have a great week, lads, and stay safe. God bless. All the best. Cheers, Malcolm. Cheers, Steve. Bye, everyone.